Hello friends and uh, welcome to another episode of the podcast of Medigens. Today we have with here one of the most foremost uh, renowned hematologists of India, Dr. Pravas from Max Hospital. Uh, Dr. Pravas, can you just introduce yourself? Uh, thank you Siddharth. Uh, so I am Dr. Pravas Mishra. I am a hemato-oncologist and a bone marrow transplant physician. Uh, I have been here in Max for the last three years before which I used to work in Orient Institute of Medical Sciences. So I have uh, more than 15 years of experience in hemato-oncology and blood and marrow transplantation. So here at Max uh, we are doing uh, bone marrow transplant for several indications in hematology such as aplastic anemia, thalassemias, uh, leukemias, myelomas and lymphomas as well. We have a fantastic uh, ward here with wonderful nursing support and uh, we assure you of the best of uh, the world care as far as transplant and hematology goes. Right. Thank you so much, Doctor. Uh, so today we'll be covering uh, the topic of bone marrow transplantation and how is it necessary and why is it necessary for patients, especially for international patients. So the first question, which is the most generic one, is uh, what exactly is bo- mo- bone marrow transplantation required for? So uh, bone marrow transplantation for hemato-oncology is used in several conditions. So the uh, reasons that it is used, it could be either curative or it could be just uh, for you know prolonging a certain kind of a situation. For example, most of the conditions that we do a bone marrow transplant for is for curative indications. So it could be an aplastic anemia, it could be thalassemia, an acute leukemia, or it could be, uh, uh, or in cases of myelomas and lymphomas where it is not considered to be exactly curative, but it is supposed to suppress the disease such that it does not come back further. In the simplest of terms, a bone marrow transplant involves replacing the bone marrow of the person, of the patient, with normal stem cells. So if you are doing the stem cells from, if you are collecting the stem cells from your brother or a sister who is completely matched, it is called as an allogenic transplant or it is called as a matched sibling donor transplant. On the other hand, if you are collecting stem cells from somebody else other than your brother or your sister, for example it could be somebody that you do not know, somebody that we have got from the donor registry, then in that case this would be considered a matched unrelated donor transplant or a MUD for short. So these are considered to be curative options. And then for myelomas and lymphomas, in multiple myeloma you collect the stem cells from the patient itself. For lymphoma you collect the stem cells from the patient itself. And after collecting the stem cells you give very high doses of chemotherapy so that the marrow is completely removed. And once that marrow is completely removed with the help of the chemotherapy you put back the stem cells into the patient. So this kind of a procedure is called as an autologous stem cell transplant. So these are the two different types of transplant. An autologous transplant where you have stem cells coming from the patient itself and an allogenic transplant where the stem cells are coming from someone else. It could be your brother, your sister or somebody else outside your family. In other than that, we have got other types of transplant like cord blood transplant where you collect cord blood which are kept in cord blood banks and if they have a mass then that can be done so that's called as a cord blood transplant. Uh, the other uh, issue is that quite often you do not get a match within your family. Now this can happen, the, the chances that you'll have a match within your family is just about 25%. So it is very likely that you may not get a match in your family and we need to look for a donor elsewhere. 
and that also sometimes does not work you don't get a donor elsewhere either so in that case in that scenario if transplant is definitely the advice that your doctor is given for you then we can do a haploidentical transplant where we can have your brother your sister your father mother or even your child who is half matched would be just half your match and collect stem cells from them and do the transplant that is called haploidentical transplant we do not advocate haploidentical transplant as a first line particularly for leukemias because the chances of relapse uh, in the haploidentical transplant is somewhat more as compared to doing a transplant from a fully matched donor either from the family or from elsewhere right thank you uh, so the next question is how does one prepare for let's say an international patient is uh, wanting to travel to india to your hospital how does he or she prepare for the transplantation are there any uh, set of circumstances or any uh, set of requirements that she first he or she first needs to fulfill and then come to the country or they they can directly turn up here so that's a very good question so as a uh, physician who is going to be taking care of your transplant obviously the first step that comes across is your clinical history mm-hmm. so i do need a good clinical history because i have not seen you before Uh, ever exactly. so the only thing that i have is uh, are a set of documents which come by post or by whatsapp from your doctor back at your home <laughs> so i would need a good clinical history as to what was the previous uh, when was the di- when was the diagnosis done what kind of chemotherapy if at all if you have received chemotherapy what kind of therapy you have received prior to uh, contacting me what is the indication for the transplant why does your doctor feel that a transplant needs to be done and yes i do need the hla matching reports uh, with uh, with at least within your family and if there is no match within the family then i would need a high resolution hla typing report uh, to search for a donor elsewhere in the world mm-hmm. so at so to to uh, cut down this whole thing uh, uh, you need to have a very good clinical history you need to have the hla report and then you need to come back to us so if once you have selected that yes a transplant is indicated in your case then i would need the current clinical history as to what the patient is whether the patient is willing for the same what is the current status what is the current physical status of the patient if all that is not done uh, once you come down to india i would first look for the fitness of the patient so i would okay. need to see whether the patient is actually fit for the transplant or not mm-hmm. and uh, are there any set of uh, dietary options or any other uh, nutrition which he or she must must be following for the entire j- journey yes. or uh, during the transplant we uh, because your counts would come down because once we give you chemotherapy to uh, you know the remove the cells within your own marrow your blood cells will come down your immunity is going to come down so we are going to give you a set of dietary instructions now these are not necessarily very restrictive all that we would ask you to do is to, uh, is to take cooked food we will not be allowing raw foods we will not be allowing raw yogurt we, we, we would allow pasteurized milk products but not raw yogurt okay. uh, we would allow you uh, lots of vegetables which would be cooked steamed uh, but definitely not raw so other than that we would be asking you to avoid spicy food hot food during the time that your counts are low and till the time that your counts are recovered other than that one should not really worry about dietary restrictions you will be allowed to eat chocolates you can have biscuits you can have uh, you know the completely covered and sealed fresh ice creams that mm-hmm. is fine okay and uh, how long is generally the hospital stay for in the and uh, 
after that after the transplantation takes place as well how how much uh, is that uh, as a ballpark figure your a patient on an average needs to stay in the hospital for about 4 weeks okay. it could be 3 weeks for patients like multiple myeloma where it may be just about 3 weeks for an allogeneic transplant in acute myeloid leukemia or for an aplastic anemia or for thalassemia even you need to plan out for stay in the hospital for at least 4 weeks and after you have been discharged from the hospital fly back home within the next week or two but if you have got undergone a allogeneic transplant you would need to stay in india for at least 3 months at least 3 months if you have undergone a transplant for acute myeloid leukemia or any other any other leukemias but if you have undergone a transplant for aplastic anemia or thalassemia you might need to plan to stay a little while longer okay and uh, what are the what is the recovery process like are there any set of instructions that they must absolutely follow uh, what will be their uh, you know immunity system how will they cope up with all of that so uh, generally most people once they have completed their transplant the immunity would take about 3 to 6 months to start kicking back in Okay. and it's only after by the end of the year that the immunity would have completely recovered and we generally advise for starting vaccinations which you would have had at the time that you were a small child mm-hmm. the same set of vaccinations would be started again at the end of the year after the transplant has been done during this period when you are in close to the hospital for example you have undergone a transplant for a leukemia and you are you will be advised to stay close to the hospital for the next 3 months mm-hmm. you will more or less follow the same dietary advice that we had given you when you were in the hospital okay and uh, are there any uh, there any problems of them joining back in the office if they if they're working or so if they're working uh, for an autologous transplant we generally ask them to stay at home for the next 3 months following the transplant okay. if uh, they are a office goer where the uh, where the where the office is much is in a controlled kind of a setting with air conditioning mm-hmm. and there is no uh, there's no possibility of air pollution then they can join back work after 3 months following an autologous transplantation but if they for example if somebody is a laborer they would need at least 6 months to recover now same goes for an allogeneic transplant if you have undergone an allogeneic transplant i would definitely not advise you to join work or school for at least a year following the transplant okay and this is just one question uh, which one of our followers had asked us is should there be interaction with pets like dogs or cats after uh, that is contraindicated so we would definitely not be allowing them to uh, interact with pets and dogs mm-hmm. because they would be at risk of getting infections from okay. these animals so we would definitely not want them to be in contact with pets and dogs coming to uh, small babies and other children in the house mm-hmm. the contact is fine however we would also be giving advice that the children in the house who are in close contact with these patients must not be given live vaccines for example in india we get polio drops so those are live polio drops right. we advise that patients who have undergone a transplant if they have got grandchildren or children within the house who are in the age of get, getting polio drops they should be avoided and they should get inactivated polio vaccine which is a killed vaccine okay and uh, i think that comes brings us to the final question of the podcast if if you can provide any advice or any set of instructions to all of our uh, followers and international patients when, whenever they're traveling or want to travel for bone marrow transplantation from your end if if you want to provide them some some piece of so uh, one must not be worried about it this is just part of the entire treatment process people come with a lot of apprehension and they are afraid whether this would uh, impact 
their lives permanently. Now, unlike other transplants, uh, where, for example, if you have undergone a liver or a renal transplant, you are not going to be on immunosuppressive therapy for the rest of your life. We would be giving you immunosuppressive therapy for a maximum of three to six months, and after that, we will be tapering off your immunosuppression. So, if your transplant is a success, at the end of a year, you would be entirely off immunosuppression, and you would be able to lead a completely normal life without having to you know, uh, be dependent upon some uh, kind of immunosuppressive therapy to keep the graft in place. So one should always come with a positive outlook. A positive outlook towards life definitely helps and that would definitely be very helpful when you are during your transplant process you have nausea, you might have reduced appetite, you might feel a lot of fatigue. So if you keep a positive outlook, uh, read a lot of books, you should sail through it very well. Okay. Thank you so much, doctor, for giving us your precious time. And uh, I hope all of your questions, for the all of the followers which we have, their questions were addressed. And this brings us to the final uh, finality of the podcast. If you have any set of questions and feedback, you would like us to follow up with the doctor or anybody else, please let us know. Thank you so much. Thank you so much.